This podcast is brought to you by Scratchpad. Like you could do a whole round of negotiations without even like coming to us yet because you have the tools. You're just like always looking for guidance. <laughs> oh, wow. Say it. <laughs> Say it. No, I just... I, she just went for the jugular rock. Right yeah. She's not like, wrong. I, I feel like there's so many instances I remember on deal that I was just like, you are slowing down your own deal. I'll be honest, I still don't fully believe you, but hey, we'll take your word for it. That's some royalty-free shit, people. That's what we do. It's poor Pierre, Puyon, Katie Kerrigan. All the greats are here. We've got a, a rags-to-riches story, when you think about it. Sales savage to CEO. I mean, you just don't see it that much. But if you don't mind, just give us the quick background, your your professional career up until this point of CEO. And we'll get into the nuances of it, but let's just kind of get that background. I was finishing college and um, it was like spring of senior year and all my friends were getting fed into finance and consulting. I didn't Losers. have, yeah, right? <laughs> I didn't, and, at the, and it was like, I didn't have a job yet. And I got this job at a tech company in Long Beach, California in sales. And I was like, oh my gosh, someone wants to hire me, I'm taking it. I went out to Long Beach um, from Massachusetts, started this job in sales. It was your classic, come in, go down a list of leads and just make phone calls. Smile and dial. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. Smile and dial. Um, Immediately started looking for ways that I, how could I like get out of this like pit of smile and dial? Then moved into a new role there. From there was like, I don't really like Long Beach. I want to go where there's a bit more of a, a community. Uh, feel like more of a East Coast vibe. And that's when I moved up to San Francisco and joined Dropbox on their BDR team. And from there, I say I created my own rotational program at Dropbox where I stayed for about six years until joining Goody. Middle of nowhere, Western Mass. And Mm -hmm. you go to Williams, like you said, everybody's like consulting finance and so forth. What do you think the difference was between your peers who ended up there versus like you. I'm curious because none of my friends, no one around me went into sales. Well, I grew up right around Williams in the town next door uh, called North Adams. Uh, it was like, they're very different socioeconomic wise. Um, North Adams, historically a mill town, very blue collar. So I didn't even know about like finance and consulting, to be honest, until I got to Williams. Yeah. So like, I remember coming in and there was like people already on these tracks to to get into these jobs and these roles and they were part of these clubs or teams that would give them binders on how to ace these interviews or do these super days. And I just was like, I was very far <laughs> behind that. It was just playing catch up. But what I did have going in, um, I had been working since I was 14, a lot of different types of jobs, a lot of them like customer facing um, and relationship based. And so uh, looking at the skills and, and what I learned in a liberal arts uh, education, um, tech seemed intriguing to me. And then sales seemed like the, a good entry into it, given that I didn't have the like hard skills. You had a really interesting run at Dropbox. And then how do you take that and now apply it as CEO? Where you get yeah. the I could I could put in 14, 16, 18 hours a day, but... I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, both on, on the sales side and now on the leadership side. Yeah, I think there's a couple things there. Um, check your ego at the door is like the first one. Like there's literally no room for ego. Um, and I think that's really important and making sure that you're leaving space for more open, collaborative 
ideas. And I think from a sales side, whether that's like partnering with your BDR, like I remember at Dropbox, I had some AEs uh, when I was in the BDR role who like wouldn't let me touch their A accounts. And I'm like, that's your loss. Like you're, you know, you're creating more work for yourself. You should have a partnership with me and we could like go and attack your book of business to help you build more pipeline and set meetings. Um, And I think right there, it's like people's ego gets in the way. Uh, oh, those are my best accounts. I don't want to let anybody touch them. I own them. I, I just don't think you can get that that far when you only depend on yourself. Um, and then I think the second one I think a lot about is, is uh, customer centricity, kind of no matter what role you're in and who you are is um, making sure you like deeply understand the customer um, and what they need. And I think a lot of times it's people go in with assumptions or they think they know what the customer needs, but um, don't really take the time to learn and listen. I think that's important, uh, especially in the leadership role as you get farther and farther away from the customer at times. Um, So like as a practice, I make sure I listen to one gong call a day just to, just to always like hear what um, our customers are asking our sales reps about where they're getting hung up. Um, and it allows it from a leadership point of view, uh, point of view too, to give our um, sales reps better training of like where where do they get stuff that we can help them uh, give them better uh, enablement. Just briefly, because I don't think most people won't won't know this. Like you joined like a one year old startup as the head of sales. Mm-hmm. Seven months later, you're CRO. Six months later, you're CEO. What kind of changed in your perspective going from like? purely sales focused to now, you know, being responsible for everyone, all parts of this org. Uh, I'm, I'm responsible for everyone. Is that, is that <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, no, uh, no, it's a lot. Um, you know, and I, and I, I sometimes I feel for my um, sales leader because I, I, she definitely gets um, a bit more of my attention because that's an, a comfortable space for me. Like that's a space I can like dive deep into comparatively to my, engineering team. So that's definitely a big difference of is when you step up into a role like CEO, you're overseeing every department at a company. Um, And kind of going back to that ego comment, um, you can't be an expert in everything. So you just have to put a lot of trust in your people and who's around you. Um, But, you know, when I look back to on no matter what role I was in, though, I was always like eager to to build cross functional partnerships. It's how um, at Dropbox I did a stint on DealDesk. Um, I got like DealDesk slash sales ops of what we were doing there, and it ultimately came out of me um, working really closely with that team because I was getting frustrated with processes. Right, because they're so slow and annoying and dumb. And, yeah. <laughs> deal prevention team. Yeah. You know, right? slow it down. More process. Just what we need. You know, we should just yeah. run and gun. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. I mean, like, we're a startup. I mean, that was a thing. And <laughs> once you know those things, you know, you can unblock your, you can unblock yourself. Right. So, are, so how big of a nerds, generally speaking, is the Deal Desk team? Like, if we were just to dive yeah. in for a second, just talk a bunch of shit. You know, Deal Desk yeah. is is ripe for it because um, they they get sales in front of ops. As if that gives them some cred, but we know the salespeople know the truth. I don't. I don't know. I think like I think I'm here to stand up for for deal desk because I think the most frustrating thing for me was like salespeople won't help themselves. Also true. 
they like also true. There was like so many times, and I'm like deal desk all the time. Would be like, you don't even need me right now. Like you could do a whole round of negotiations without even like coming to us yet because you have the tools. You're just like always looking for guidance. Right. So I feel like there is this like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Say it. (laughs) Say it. No, I just, I just went for the jugular Ross. Yeah. She's not wrong. I I feel like there's so many instances I remember on deal desk that I was just like, you are slowing down your own deal by bringing this to me, even though you have everything you need to like at least go through the first round. So, like, so I remember like at least at Dropbox, we have, there was like 15 to 20 terms in our MSA that were kind of like pre, pre-negotiated that were, there was, we didn't necessarily need to send it to legal. And then there's the areas that, Hey, if a customer wants to redline this area, like it has to go to legal. And this wasn't secret information, but seemingly, even if it was like an enterprise rep who's done multiple deals, the moment they got red lines, it's, oh, let me forward it away. Like, read it first. The amount of people who didn't read a contract. Right, but you're, you're, you're making a gross assumption that salespeople can read. Yeah. Which therein, therein <laughs> lies a huge issue. You see, because we operate under the, the idea that whining about it is productive. Yes. You know? At least it's cathartic, if nothing else. So I think we'd rather just whine about it and then complain about legal and then complain about deal desk. And, and so then I say, go put a ticket in. Oh, and even worse. That we're in Jira. Right? Yeah. Go, go put a ticket in, right? Go. That's if you want to submit a ticket. An that's no, I'll just march over to deal desk. So how, how does this change your perspective now as CEO? Right. So you're out of that, but you're managing it. And so if you're, yeah. if you're trying to build that organization and build that team, you just put up with it? Are you trying to solve it in some way? There's probably a little of both, right? We're, we're to be frank, right? We're small, and so I, I'm I'm kind of deal desk at, <laughs> at times still to this day, right? Like I will, um, I do our DPAs and MSAs um, and complete that information. So uh, I do start to now at this point push back a little bit more, being like, okay, I've done enough of these. You have you have a template to go off of. They're like, Katie, what do you think? You're like, well, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with, well, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I haven't read it yet. Um, well, maybe we'll do that and there. come back. Yeah. 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 This podcast is brought to you by Scratchpad. Are your managers interrogating or coaching? Are you forecasting on a hunch or with an up-to-date and accurate pipeline? Are your reps following your sales process or does it feel like the Wild West out there? It's more important than ever to get back to the fundamentals of sales and drive efficient growth. With the first system built for sales process performance, Scratchpad is here to help sales and RevOps leaders shorten deal cycles, trust their CRM, and get more output from your team. And do we mention your salespeople already love it? Learn more at scratchpad.com. I'm curious with like the recent year that we've had in tech and, you know, now Silicon Valley Bank like five days ago, you know, nobody like prepares you for that. And Puyan, I'm curious, you're like about you too. You're both CEOs, like, again, we've mentioned responsible for, you know, a group of folk, a group of humans, right? Like, how do you navigate through an ultimately incredibly uncertain, tumultuous time? What do you do other than like go off your gut and try to be as, you know, decent a person as you possibly can? (laughs) 
I love that framing. Ross, as decent of a person as you can. Well, you got to um, make hard choices, right? You still yeah. got to make hard choices that people are not going to agree with. Like you just can't make everyone happy and like the at the top when you're yeah. in a leadership role. Like that's the reality. There's much more of a spotlight on founders, CEOs, on just on leaders in general, and there is a lot more tur- turbulence. It feels like, and Katie, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but it feels like just even in the last few years, so much stuff has happened that is unprecedented in a way. There's no playbook for it. There's no blog post around it. And so you just have to be really good at being like, I don't know. Like this hasn't happened before. I don't really know exactly what to do, but just figure it out as fast as you can. I you know, try to share the amount of information I have with like almost the entirety of my team, um, especially my executive team, because there are times I don't know. And it's like, you're making a call with the data that you do have and the information you do have available to you. Um, and I think people are reasonable and if they just have an understanding and kind of know the why behind things. And I think knowing the why means you have to be transparent with them. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine being in like that type of position and like there, like you said, there is no playbook and it's, uh, I, I do think transparency is probably the best way to go about it. I don't know like what a alternative there is. It, it's it's really hard. And I think, Katie, we follow a similar approach. Um, you know, after every board meeting, we pretty much share the whole board deck with the company. So everyone should really know, because I, I view it as, hey, we're all one team. Yeah, we're, we're filling in different roles, but we're all trying to um, accomplish one mission together. I, I think, and listen, we're a remote first company, but I think it makes it even harder when you're remote. Because when mm-hmm. you get some tough news or when you get that level of transparency. And a lot of it is uncertainty. That's We don't know what's going to happen. You don't have that space to really connect with folks in the way that I feel like it used to be when you were in office or even connected in somewhere, figure out some offsite. And so the best you do is in a Zoom call. And it's just, it's so hard to have conversations, like real conversations there. Uh, so I, it, it just creates this level of disconnectedness. And I'm frankly, we're still, I'm still trying to figure out how to, how to make that better. The next company... Uh, to start or that I'm a part of or, you know, when Goody reaches that pivotal stage, like I just don't see a world where it's, it continues to be fully uh, remote because to your point, I just think it's like too hard for the, like the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of like organic conversation and growth that comes being in person with one another that you lose over zoom and being fully virtual. And now there's a lot of like pros to it, of course, um, like the talent that we have from, you know, across the world that is on our team wouldn't be available. That, that silence is one of the hardest things when, when you are giving, you know, sharing news with the whole company. And we do a, we do a rotation with our team where we have different leaders lead our, like our, our Friday weekly recap <laughs> when they're like, Oh wow, this is, this is really awkward and hard. I don't know how others are doing this. When you're just talking, you get zero signal back. It is just, you're like, wait, is your screen frozen or are you just not moving and listening? Um, but Ross, what are you seeing on, on the sales side? I, I know you talked to a ton of folks. I'll just say this. One thing I'm hearing, because we're, we're still hiring, we're interviewing a bunch of folks. And it, what I'm hearing in the interviews is, hey, across companies I'm talking to, it feels like more and more are going back to office. Maybe not five <laughs> days a week, but... Yeah. That's now becoming that's a true. trend. Yeah, you're seeing. I think too? it's true. Oh, I think it's. I, I don't think it'll ever be as Katie said, full like five days back in the office. But I do think like return to office is real. And I, 
like I totally understand the merits of both sides. I understand the rage that creates in people who just plain and simple don't want to go back. Um, I don't know how I would run a sales org, especially a new early stage company without my sales team being together like three days a week. I could, I don't think I would need them five days, but three days I think would be important. Um, just for everything you guys are saying, the tribal knowledge, the sentiment, the like communications, the learn, like, you know, some discipline. Yeah. <laughs> frankly, the, the espresso uh, martinis. The espresso yeah. Martinis on Thursdays. Yeah. You know, we go Tuesday <laughs> to Thursday, we get taco Tuesday and then we get Thursday, Thursday. And then Wednesday we just drink for no reason. But yeah. you know, so we've got the three best days to do that. Uh, but yeah, I do think like, generally speak, I, I think like Salesforce's reason for return to work is to weed people out. I think that is like a strategy of like weeding people out. But, and I also think it's really hard for some companies that have set a precedent of being remote or hybrid, like, oh wait, the rules are for me, but just because you hired someone who's making the same amount of me in like Oklahoma, but we don't have an office there. Like they don't have to go to work five days a week. It, it's just really hard to, you know, make a universal rule that everyone has to follow. And there's now so many, we've done nothing but make exceptions for three years. What I would look at is of the companies that are fully remote or the ones that have some sort of in-office setup, what percentage of their reps are attaining quota? So that could be maybe closer to that performance or even before that, is there is there a leading indicator to quota? My BDR days like at Dropbox were like so critical of like building the team. Like totally. the, that was like just being like day to day, as you said, like playing loud music on Fridays in the pod having like power hours together, hearing other people on the phone, like that was so beneficial. Yeah. Being on a conversation next to another person or hearing um, someone in conversation getting stuck and being able to have like pass a note to yeah. them. Like that's what I like crave and I miss for, particularly because we have a, we have a more junior sales team at Goody and um, they're awesome and eager and like looking to, to build their, sales career. And I just often think like, uh, only they could like be in the room together, feeding off one another. Totally. Or if you're just getting roasted, put it on speaker and, and have others listen to get a laugh. Yeah. Off of it, <laughs> right? I think yeah. the, the, I don't know, at least for me, when, when I was doing cold calls and outbound and, you know, at that point it was just me, my co-founder, I think like one other person, but it was such an emotional ride. And that's the piece that, you know, coaching. Yes, absolutely. Like hearing others, but getting those rejections, getting roasted, getting hung up on constantly, just having somebody to turn to and just laughing about it together, or at least being like, man, that sucked and recovering. It's just damn hard when you do, when something like that happens and you're still in your own room and your computer screen, you're like, fuck, the last thing I want is to get on another Zoom call. Well, well, Katie, thanks so much for joining us and, and also for the goodie. I'm excited. Yeah. To, I just Can we get a, a shameless plug, though, at least from yeah. from Katie? If people want to reach out to you, maybe there's like a sales rep out there who thinks they have some great software for goodie. Um, what would who on your team should they reach out to? And then plug and then plug yourself. Plug 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 goodie. Plug everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, all right. If you have a software that you think we need, um, just send it to my inbox. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up. Uh, she's gonna open it she w- might I'm not respond she yeah, might not respond because that actually is very true just k-a-t-y at ongoody.com katie at ongoody and if anybody's um, trying to like send gifts or anything we're, maybe. yeah exactly so i think um that's the other part i think if you want to stand out right in that inbox like i just talked about and get a response then don't spend a usual message send a goodie 
Science. Data. Done. Yeah. Let's do it. Book it. Yeah. Katie Carrion, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, until next time. Are you looking for ways to execute, manage, and measure your entire sales process? Scratchpad is your answer. The world's largest sales teams, including Autodesk, Algolia, Cisco, GoTo, Twilio, Segment, are already seeing better results. Learn more at scratchpad.com.